0: Stay standing, if you would, just out of respect for God's word, sorry to do the up and down thing uh, with you guys. Um, Just a couple quick verses, Um, let's read God's word together. We're going to go out of uh, Psalm chapter one, just the first two verses. This is David inspired by God saying, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This is God's word. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Now the past uh, few weeks we've been journeying through together in this series that we've called the Torah and looking at the first five books of The Bible and asking the question: how will God fulfill his promise that he made to Abraham? How will he take his people from the grips of Pharaoh in slavery and in bondage to freedom in the wilderness? How will he bring his people back into the presence of God? And we see it through the temples and the sacrifices. And of course, we all know because we're standing on the other side. Of it, that all of these things are pointing to the one day the rescuer would come, and we know that rescuer is Jesus. And looking at this idea that these first five books of the Bible are actually the Bible in miniature because what we see in the Torah is the story arc of all of Scripture and God's redemptive plan to take sinful, rebellious people and bring them back into his presence by sending someone who would take their place and die the death that you and I should have died. It's an incredible story. But for the Old Testament audience, and I think what gets lost in translation for you and for me and our culture today is, for the Old Testament audience, what the Torah meant was not just simply laws and guardrails and rules, but freedom. And what I want us to look at today as we wrap up this series together in the Torah is not only is this a great story, but it's our family story that reveals a pathway to freedom and into flourishing. Are there any uh, archery people in the house today? Anyone? Couple? Yeah? Oh, all right. Last service, there was no one. So this is amazing. I love it. So my wife and I were on vacation this a uh, couple weeks ago, and we started re watching any Lord of the Rings people. Yeah? All right. All right. Yeah. So we started re watching it, and. Um, we started talking about what's our favorite scene, who's our favorite guy, and we both agree Legolas is the man, right, you know, and you know, I think it's in the second movie where you go skateboarding down the wall, and he's starting to take out the enemy, you guys remember that with his, with his bow and arrow, it's this, you know, amazing epic scene, right, and so I started geeking out and nerding out on archery for some reason, and I am not, definitely not an expert. But according to some archery terms, and some of you who do it, you can tell me if this is true or not. And I was trying to understand what they call pro archery people. And people were telling me, about their masks were on in the first service, so I still don't actually know. So we're just going to go with pro archery people. Does that sound good? Here's what they say so, as they're talking about hitting the bullseye, one of the terms they use is we're going to burn a hole in the yellow. Let's burn a hole in the yellow which just means keeping that, the bow sight centering into the innermost yellow scoring ring until you shoot the arrow. As I was thinking about this and thinking about the Torah, I was thinking about it, and that word Torah, it means, if you think it means law, you're, you're right, but if you double-click on it and you really take it for what it means, it means law, but it also means in the Hebrew meaning To shoot out of the hand as pointing, to show, to indicate, to teach, and to instruct, to lay a foundation, and also to shoot as an arrow to hit the mark. See, the law for you and for me and for the Israelites in the Old Testament is meant for us to pull back the arrow of our lives and burn a whole in, the yellow. in other words, hit the mark, live in righteousness, pulling back the arrow, empowered by the spirit, looking straight ahead at God's ways and God's commands and burning a hole in the yellow. Living in God's ways is to burn a hole in the yellow. At the same time we combat with it legalism. And our attitude toward the law should be never this sort of fearful or casual dismissal, but rather delight in a wholehearted consecration to God. See, delighting in the law, as we're going to see today in in this passage and what David says, delighting in the law is to pull back the bow of our lives, empowered by the Spirit, to help us to understand and to join in with guys like David and like Paul. And Paul, not Old Testament Paul. We're talking New Testament Paul. Paul says this. He says, I love it. He says, in my inner being, I delight in God's law in in Romans 7.22. We also know the psalmist in 119 says, I, oh, how I love the law. So why love the law? How do we love the law? Here's the big idea today. Here's what I'm hoping we walk away with is that the law is the definition of true humanness and freedom. The law is the definition of true humanness. Freedom. See, David in our scripture today is showing us something that is so key to the Torah and to understanding why and what the Torah wants to show us and give us, and that is how to live a life of fullness and freedom. Why? Because the Bible calls what the Bible calls sin, they call it, usually um, with sin, they call it slavery and bondage. And so the point of the Torah and the law is to free us from slavery and position us and position our lives to, to live a life of fullness and of joy. And that's why David says, I can delight in your law. I delight in the law because I find freedom in the law. And to delight in the law to say, focused on the right things, on the right master, burning a hole in the yellow. Now, if you're taking notes today, here's three points that I want to give us and kind of look at as we go together uh, this morning. Number one is freedom is not freedom to do anything. Number two, freedom is the power, it's the power to obey. And number three, freedom is not having no master, but rather it's having the right master. But before we get into that, what well, we need to know about the law, the, why the law was given to rebellious people. The law is not given to a people who are ignorant of God. It's not given to a people outside of God's covenant. Nor is the law given uh, in order that Israel might earn a relationship with God. It's not given that Israel might be. It's it's not given that Israel might be obedient by but be drawn into covenant fellowship with God. And the giving of the law comes not in Exodus one when the people of Israel are still in slavery. The law is not given that they might obey the commands and so merit their release from Egyptian bondage. Is what so, what so many of us try to do is we clean our act up and live the best life we can in order that God might accept us or God might like us. No, what we see in the story arc of scripture and the Torah is that God always steps towards us first. It's within the context of the covenant with Abraham, then his son, and his grandson, that several generations later, the Lord comes to Moses in Egypt. And then we see the law is given after the Lord brought his people out of Egypt. See, the law comes after freedom for more freedom. And the law is given by the covenant-keeping, faithful God who has already delivered and redeemed his people. I love the first statement um, of the law. is a reminder of this kind of freedom. It's this promise that God gives us in Exodus 22. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he gives a law. See, freedom is not the freedom to do anything. I love what David says in Psalm 1, and I think it's worth reading again. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in uh, the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and Night. The law, what David is saying is the law, what he's talking about is, yes, the Torah, but he's also talking about all of Scripture, all of God's word. He's delighting in day and night. Why? Because all of Scripture reveals the character of God. And the Ten Commandments, which we know is this great summary of the law, actually doesn't begin with, go do this now, but rather with God saying, remember how I set you free already. Begins with a statement. God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now the first two books in the Psalms obviously are incredible books, but what we see... Is these are actually the, the very first two books? If you want to geek out, here's some homework for you. Um, are actually the uh describe the the rest of the book of Psalms, they actually give us an entire sort of story arc of the the rest of the book of, of, of Psalms, and it's it's incredible. But as you see, the first thing that David says is blessed, blessed is the man who, and that word who. Plays a lot like a because in the sentence. Blessed is the man because he walks not in the way of sinners. In other words, that word blessed here means happy. In other words, permanently happy and restored is the man who walks not in the way of sinners. Blessed is the one who doesn't mold himself to the popular ideas of society, but blessed is the one who delights in the law and walks in his ways. I love what uh, David says in Psalm nineteen seven. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's without blemish, and therefore it gives new life to the soul, reviving it over and over and over again. That word reviving, can also mean restoring. It's the same word we we see in Psalm 23. So just as the Lord my shepherd leads me beside still waters and restores my soul, so his law is a spiritual restorative because of its spiritual beauty. And I am to keep returning to it, keep running to it so that I might get refreshed just as each day each day needs the life-giving light of The sun. Psalm 19.8 says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. David also says the commands of the Lord are radiant. That is, they are like a lamp to show light along our way so that we can see which way to walk. Again here, another parallel to the sun. And if we follow God's laws, we will always have light to direct So the question is for you and for me today is are we walking in the light? Are you eager to know God's ways? Are you meditating on his word day and night? Are you pulling back on the bow of your life empowered by the spirit, fixing our gaze on Christ to burn a hole in the middle of our lives? See, real freedom for you and for me, is not complete autonomy, but real freedom comes from walking in the light of the Lord, walking in the pathways of righteousness and pressing into God's word until it catches fire in our hearts. But if you think about it, if I'm giving into, and here's sort of the modern way that we view freedom, if I'm giving into every urge, every emotional desire, then I also get with it the guilt of my sin, the insecurity that comes prepackaged with my sin, and the emotional weight of those choices. A lot of us know what that feels like, doesn't don't we? In all cultures, I mean, for centuries, we all know and believe that liberty and freedom are a good thing. It's why people come to our amazing country, right, It's to be free, to experience liberty. Um, It's been a part of the human experience for centuries, this need for human freedom. But the tension that you and I live in, in our culture, in our modern culture today, is that what modern people are saying today is that there is no transcendent world, and therefore you don't need to bow your reasoning to God. See, we've always said we should be free, but humanity has recognized with nature there are limitations and guardrails that are naturally there to keep you and I free. But today, what we're told is you make nature do what you want. No matter the consequence. Because freedom is an individual choice or desire. It's used to be used to be freedom to serve your family or serve others, but now if your family doesn't meet those needs, well, you have the individual freedom to do away with that family. And in fact, I just got a call from a friend, really old friend. He said, "I'm, I'm in absolute pain right now. I said, dude, what's up, what's up, man? He's like, my wife of 20 years, six kids. Says she's leaving me for someone else, and that she feels finally free now that she has told me about this other person. Is that freedom? I love what Tim Keller says, and he he is this amazing quick, and I think it's just a great tool for us. The consequences of a modern view of freedom that you and I really swim in the waters of is number one, he says all values are relative. One of the consequences of the modern view of freedom is all relationships become transactional. All identities are hyper-fragile. Hyper all fulfillment is disappointing. And he says, in the end, are you still free? See, this is why David says, I can delight in the law. I can pull back the bow of my life Fixing my gaze on God and burn a hole in the yellow by the Spirit's power in me. I'm aiming for God's ways as I meditate on God's Word day and night. David is saying, "There, this is where freedom and flourishing lives. See, freedom always leads the flourishing. Freedom is also the power to obey." David says in verse three and four, I love it. He says, the the, God, the man who is blessed, right? The man who's delighting in the law and meditating on the word day and night is like a tree planted by streams of water and yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like a chaff that the wind drives away. I love what... Uh, One pastor says, Kevin DeYoung, he says, freedom is the ability to do what you ought to do. That's real freedom. Freedom is the ability to do what you ought to do. That's real freedom. See, real biblical freedom is not doing anything. It's it's doing what we ought to do that leads us to experience the true humanness that God has designed for you and for me. David says it's going to yield its fruit in its seasons and its season having the power and the freedom to obey means that little by little you and I in our lives we become and we look like evergreens your life becomes more and more radically different from the rest of the world if you've ever been in a forest and by the river and you see the evergreens it stands out doesn't it it's incredible. You walk up to it, it's, it's beautiful. And you know, man, it's producing a lot of that fruit. Because why? Because it's sitting next to the riverbank. It's a beautiful tree. And that's how it happens. As David says, when you sit at the riverbanks of God's presence and his word, you become like an evergreen in your life. Now it's a process, because let's be honest, seasons come and they go, but what he's saying is it's going to yield its fruit in season. So in the seasons of waiting for the diagnosis, waiting for a spouse, or when you get the raise, what he's saying is stay meditating on God's word at the riverbanks of God's presence so that whether you're waiting on the diagnosis and the call or by God 's grace, you get a raise, you it yield its fruit. First of all, we do this because, number one, it 's our identity. Exodus 19 comes before Exodus. 20, God has already identified the Israelites as the kingdom of priests, a holy nation. They are a people set apart. And the same is true for you and for me. As an apprentice of Jesus, we are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And evergreen stands out because it's different. It's healthy. You can't miss it. David is saying, because we are called to stand out, this is what happens. It's staying in the river banks of God's Unmovable is the spirit-empowered person who implants who plants himself by the riverbanks of God. And David says, I delight in the law because it positions my life to be in a place of unshakable and permanent joy. In the center of God's will. Free me to do the things that I should So you and I can delight in the law because while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and for me. He gave us the freedom that the law expounds, that freedom. It's it's, it's not about learning all the dietary restrictions of the Old Testament law. It's about fixing our heart, putting the, the bow of our lives and fixing our heart and our gaze on Christ and staying there until our heart sets fire and then we wake up and repeat and do the same thing. and just like before god moses or before god gave moses the 10 commandments he reminds them that he freed them from slavery so christ has come and he has set us free the veil has been removed torn down there is no man between you and me and god no more it's just the man jesus christ who did who who kept the law and perfectly and kept it for us. And this is why Jesus said to his disciples as he's telling them, hey, I gotta go. And they're, they're, they're sort of anxious about it. And they're like, I, I don't know about this, Jesus. He says, no, it's better for you that I go. Why? Because I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit and he's the one who is going to empower you to do the things I'm calling you to do, to obey because the Holy Spirit is going to live inside of all of you. And like God's presence in the temple of the Torah, so now you and I are living temples filled with the spirit and empowered to go be agents of light in a very dark, dark world. And so now we plant ourselves at the riverbanks of God's ways, not to gain salvation, not to earn favor, but to express our love and our gratitude to the Lord because salvation is already given you and to me you know we're told that self-fulfillment is the way to the good life but at the heart of the law at the heart of the Torah is our calling as a nation of priests: is to show grace and love and mercy to others as God has shown us to us and to his people This is brought out in so many ways. If you go back and you look at at the laws, many of them are the ceremonial laws. For an example, right? The Sabbath is to be an occasion for mercy because of God's mercy, mercy to Israel. The festivals, right, that mark Israel's year are going to include refugees and widows and the orphan and the poor because God was merciful to Israel when they were refugees and were poor. So Israel is now to include such a people and the celebrations and festivals because God included Israel by delivering his people into intimate fellowship with himself. See, God's ways include, culture wants to seclude for the sake of self-fulfillment. So freedom is not first how do I meet my own needs, but how does my conduct serve to lift up the glory and the name of Jesus and love others. Amen. Human flourishing in all of life is the consequences of meditating on God's ways and living by them. I love what one commentator says, uh, Jerem Barris. he says, The law expresses the way in which God walks. And we need instruction in that way so that we might truly reflect God's likeness. And to be the kind of people God originally designed us to be. Because law is a definition of true humanness. There are many biblical texts that remind us that God's law is good and is intended for our good and for the good life. Walking in the ways of the law will bring blessing, life, and freedom to us. For we will be living as God created us to live. We will be more and more restored to the image of God. This is the teaching of the New Testament, right? Just as, just as much as, as the old, James makes exactly the same point in the first, his first chapter. But the one who looks into the perfect law, he calls it the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Those who hear God's ways and do them in the Spirit's power are the ones that find freedom and flourishing. So freedom is the power to obey, but it's also the freedom in having the right master. I love what in Exodus 5.1, if you want to turn there, you can. It should be on the screen. Verse 1, he says, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. His people are trapped in the grips of Pharaoh. And he says, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And what God is saying is, go get my people out of darkness, out of the grips of Pharaoh, so that they can come into the wilderness and worship me. See, God would speak to the Israelites with the, the assumption that they were going to serve someone. There's that old, any Bob Dylan fans in the house? Anyone? There's that old song, everybody's going to serve somebody, right? The Israelites were going to serve Pharaoh or they were going to serve Yahweh, and we know that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And freedom is wherever God is. And so the law, ultimately the Torah, reveals to Israel, and it reveals to you and me today, is who our master is. It was given a, as a constant reminder of our need for mercy and grace, and the reminder that, of our need for a rescuer. And it was God saying, Don't get distracted. Stay in this lane because the law is where true humanness is found. He frees them for freedom. See, biblical freedom isn't freedom for the sake of doing whatever, it's the freedom from the weight of sin so that you and I can worship God freely. It's being free from Pharaoh. It's being for you and for me. It's being free from the guilt of our sin, right? From the weight of needing to keep the, you know, keep doing behavior modifications and feeling I gotta do this and do that to please God or to make myself look better. It's the freedom from bondage that you and all, that we've all experienced together. It's the freedom to go and to serve the right master. It wasn't just an exchange of slavery to this sort of kind of enlightenment freedom. It was going from serving Pharaoh, from the hardships and the oppression and the bondage to serving God, which is real freedom, real joy, real happiness in knowing God, delighting in God, and doing the things that God has intended us to do. And that's where real humanness is found. So church, may we not leave and and wrap up a series like the Torah thinking Abraham and and Moses, they're the point or they're the hero. No, let's not wrap up a series on the Torah and forget the hero of the story. And who's the hero of the story? The hero of the story today and every day and all for eternity is Jesus Christ. Amen? The story is not about, man, Israel, and yes, they play a part in it, but it's about God's work in Israel and the promises that he is going to keep. It's about Jesus fulfilling the law in his own life, willingly, freely, and perfectly. It's his consistent desire to be obedient to the Father, to do his will, to reflect his character in every thought, word, and act in every day. And Paul says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And today, whether you're online or here today, and you would say, I don't know if I'm a Christian. Well, this is the good news of the gospel, that he's taken the weight of our sin and our guilt, and he has replaced it with Jesus' righteousness so that no more that you and I have to walk in the weight in the, sin, in our, in the guilt of our sin. But we can walk in freedom to worship him freely. Amen? So if you're not a Christian today, what he's done is he's taken you from slavery and he is inviting you into freedom. And for the rest of us church today, let's not leave the Torah without going back every single day of our lives and pulling back the bow of our lives, empowered by the spirit, fixing our gaze on Christ and meditating, getting up and meditating on God's word, going to sleep and meditating on God's word day and day. Burn a hole in the yellow, walking in righteousness, in his ways, by the Spirit's power, and by his grace. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the authority that it has in our lives. We thank you for the freedom that it gives us. We thank you for Jesus the sacrifice he made, while we were still enslaved and in bondage, You made a way. And so now we get to worship you freely. Lord, it is a gift that we cannot repay. And the amazing thing is you don't ask us to. I pray for those today that maybe this is their first time stepping into faith. That God, you would reveal yourself by your grace. Move in their hearts. So they would come into a flourishing relationship with Jesus and experience freedom from sin and bondage for the very first time. And for the rest of us, God, would you empower us to live in your ways day and night and to meditate on your word in Jesus' name.